was having a conversation with somebody recently, and it's funny how it, it actually played out tonight. Um, when, you get, when you get older, time just goes by faster, and you don't have any control over it. it remember your kid, it seemed like it took Christmas forever to get, but then when you're in charge of Christmas, Christmas is happening like this. Um, time just flies. I was, I was in the hall right before the service having a conversation with a couple people, and they were talking about um, back-to-school gifts for the kids. And I went, wait a minute, whoa, what month is it? It's May? Back, they were like, we got to plan ahead. And I literally said, walking away, before we know it, it's going to be Christmas because time flies. And when Christmas gets here, um, it's a blessing and a curse it's, it, because some people, some of us, not all of us, but some of us, we have to go hang out with a group of people um, that are weird. And we call them family, but, but they're weird. And, and if it wasn't for being family, we wouldn't probably hang out with these people at all. And every family, every family that I know either has that person or that thing that you just don't talk about. You, you don't talk about that person. That person shows up. You think they're a part of the family, but you don't know. But nobody talks to them and nobody, they, just, they just keep showing up. Or it's that thing. And if you don't know the rules and you show up and you bring up the thing, I'll give you an example. Um, several years ago, I had a friend invite me to like an Easter thing. I did, it was Easter and I didn't have anything to do. And they were like, you need to come to my Easter. My family does this big thing on Easter and it's awesome and it's huge. And they were right. We got to this thing and they're, like, their family was forever. And it was, it was, I mean, lots of people, lots of food, lots of fun. And then this guy shows up and he was... He looked really young, but he also looked really sick. And he had like a, um, like a little like machine right here and something on his arm. And, and he kind of sat down and, and I, I said, I said, what's the deal with, what's the deal with that, that guy? And my friend said, oh, that's my cousin. And I said, well, I'm not trying to be like rude, but like what's, what's wrong with him? And my friend said, oh, he's got a kidney disease. Um, and if he doesn't get a kidney transplant, Within like a year or two, he's probably going to die. And I, that's pretty serious. So I just thought, um, well, have, since like everybody here's family, have you maybe considered having a conversation with the family? Because I, I'm betting there's a donor. Like somebody could donate a kidney and save this guy's life. And my friend looked at me and said, oh, we don't talk about that stuff. You don't what? Yeah, we don't talk about that stuff. I'm like, you don't talk about, yeah, we don't talk about personal stuff in our family. I'm like, yeah, but, but he's gonna die. That guy, and I looked over and I was like, and that lady right there, she's not, she hasn't got long, let's be honest. Let, let's get her kidney, one of her kidneys into him. I didn't know, but I didn't care if I got invited back. Let's get one of her kidneys into him. But they wouldn't talk about it. And because they were unwilling to have uncomfortable conversations, this guy was gonna potentially die because we don't talk about that in our family. Now, what's funny is it reminded me of church because there's some things that we don't talk about in church. But we'll, and when we do talk about them, we're angry about them. And, and one of those things that we kind of stay away from other than don't do it, it's wrong, is the subject of divorce. Now, I'm gonna go ahead and say right off the bat, the longer you've been in church, the more you're gonna struggle with what I'm gonna preach tonight. But this is what I'm gonna ask. I've got a personal rule. I'm not asking you to adopt this rule just, just for tonight. If you get mad, wait 24 hours before you send that email, okay? 
Give me 24 hours because what? I've rerouted them all to Cole and Cole's gonna be responding to emails this week. So y'all pray for Cole. He gets, he, so the more church you are, because in church world, if you get a divorce or if you've gone through a divorce, you, you pretty much wear the scarlet letter around the church. And, and in church world, in many churches, you're not allowed to actually do anything significant like be on a church staff or be a deacon, or be an elder, or have any significant leadership role. Um, there are people who have told me, um, and only one to my face, but, but most, most of it's online. Um, people have told me, I, I love you and I love your preaching, but I can't come to your church because you're divorced and I can't sit under the teaching of a divorced pastor. And I'm like, well, there's nothing I can really do about that. So if that's your conviction, then and, you know, go and I'm happy. Go find a church that teaches the word. If you know, you don't have to be a part of this church. You can just be a part of a church, right? Um, and they leave and I'm, I get mad. But, but <laughs> I understand. I was talking to a pastor one time and he was talking to me about this guy in his church. He, he called him a high capacity. He said, this guy's real high capacity. I wish I, could, I wish I could get him on leadership. I wish I could get him to serve on our board. I wish I could get him to be in the, on the board of deacons or whatever, but I can't. And I was like, well, Why? The pastor looked at me, kind of looked around and said, he's been divorced. And I just, I just asked, I'm like, well, um, what does he do? Now, oh, he's a business owner. I was like, oh, well, do you take his top check? I, I'm just asking, just asking. Because if, if he can serve in that way, but he can't serve in the church, I'm just saying that, I, I just, touch bit hypocritical right there, right? And so, People, people. The, the, the first thing that most church people know about the subject of divorce is they can tell you, Pastor Pete, the Bible says that God hates divorce. And, and you're right, it does say that. The Bible does, but the problem is most people that tell you that, they don't know where that is in the Bible. They don't even know if it's Old or New Testament, and they don't even know the context in which, and it's really dangerous to base your entire theological foundation on a subject based on a half of a verse that you don't even know where it is. So I'm gonna show you where it is tonight. We're gonna talk about it, and it's gonna be fun. Um, but the, the reason we don't need to take just a chapter or a book is because the Bible is way more than a book. It's better than that. The Bible is 66 books. And it's not just one chapter in the Bible. It's, it's got 1,189 chapters. And it's got 31,102 verses. So when we're trying to figure out where we stand on something, we've got to take the totality of the scriptures and not just one section that kind of fits our needs or our personal theological desires. Are, are we good? Okay, good, 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 because I'm glad y'all are with me. Um, I, might, I might lose y'all in a minute. No, I promise I won't lose you. I promise I won't. Now, the other thing I need to say about this is there are closed-hand and open-handed issues in the kingdom. Closed-hand means that these are issues, these are theological hills to die on, and open-hand means there are really godly people that believe a, a variety of things. A closed-hand issue would be the resurrection of Jesus Christ. That's just a closed-handed issue. We, we believe in the resurrection. In fact, I believe if you don't believe in the resurrection, I question salvation because that's essential to believe that Jesus died on the cross and rose from the grave to pay for our sins, okay? Resurrection. Open-handed issue would be uh, end times. When's Jesus coming back? Don't know. Hope it's soon. 
Hope, hope is real soon. Hope is before the next election. I've shared that with y'all before. This, what I'm gonna teach tonight is an open-handed issue. There are, there are really godly people that would disagree with what I'm gonna say. And here's the deal. I'm not gonna fight about it. I'm not gonna fight. I'm gonna teach on this and we're gonna keep moving on because, and I'll show you this in the scriptures, religious people always wanna fight and tear people down. Our church, we just wanna build people up and help people to walk in freedom. So, so we're not gonna, not gonna fight. Now this, this next statement, I started not to put it on the screen because I know what's gonna happen. Somebody's gonna take a picture of me um, next to the screen, and I'm gonna help you out in a minute, don't worry. Me next to the screen with this statement, they're gonna rip it out of context, um, or they're gonna put it on the internet, and it's gonna be, and, it, and I'm gonna be labeled a heretic. And somebody said, are you scared? They're like, no, I got labeled a heretic years ago. So I, I want you to kinda sit on this phrase, and if you'll give me some time, once again, the more churched you are, the more bothersome this is gonna be. But give me some time and let me unpack it. Here it is. Divorce is always bad, but it's not always wrong. Go ahead and help y'all. So that was devil horns for him. In fact, I would, I would go this far and just stay with me because I know some people aren't gonna agree and that's okay, that's okay. I would actually say that divorce is always bad, but it's not always a sin. I, I know. Doesn't that fly right in the face of a lot of our theological convictions? But if you stay with me, I'll prove it to you. Deal? Okay, good. Jesus was popular among the people. Everywhere he went, people were running to him. He had a ministry that was amazing. He just accepted people where they were. Now, he didn't let them stay that way. That's what was really cool about Jesus. You couldn't meet Jesus and just stay the same. He was changing people. And there was a group of people that didn't like it. And so we're about to see Jesus and religion clash head to head, and they're clashing over the subject of divorce. It's crazy. Uh, I had somebody ask me, are you gonna talk about that thing in Matthew 19? I'm like, oh yeah, we're going straight for that passage because this is where Jesus talks about it. The Bible says some Pharisees came and tried to trap him with this question. Should a man be allowed to divorce his wife for just any reason? Now there's a lot going on in this one verse that we gotta unpack. First of all, it was the, the Pharisees came and tried to trap him. So this entire conversation happened because they were trying to set Jesus up for failure. And, and notice who was doing it, the Pharisees. The Pharisees were religious people. The Pharisees were self-righteous people. And self-righteous people that are stuck in religion are always trying to look for a fight. They're always trying to look for an argument. They're always looking for a way to tear people down. Religious people will deny a work and a miracle of God if it doesn't fit into their system. I'll prove it to you. There's a whole chapter in the Bible dedicated to this story about Jesus raising a man named Lazarus from the dead. John chapter 11, that Jesus said this sickness will not end in death, and then Lazarus dies. And everybody's like, well, you missed it there. And he said, nope. I said it will not end in death. So he shows up four days after Lazarus has been put in the grave and he calls Lazarus out and Lazarus comes out and at that point, the funeral's over. 
and the party starts, right? And everybody is pumped that Lazarus was raised from the dead. Can we call that, can we all agree and call that a move of God, yes or no? Absolutely, that's a move of God. But then the Pharisees got mad because people were moving from religion to Jesus. And I, I just want you to see their mentality here in the scriptures, watch this. When all the people heard of Jesus' arrival, they flocked to see him and also to see Lazarus, the man Jesus had raised from the dead. I would wanna see that. I would stand in line to see him. But watch what the religious people do. The leading priest decided to kill Lazarus too. Is that, anybody find that weird? First of all, first of all, the Bible says thou shalt not kill. But religious people will break God's commandments when you break their commandments. Oh, I didn't even say that this morning. Y'all got some extra stuff. So, so the, the leading priest decided to kill. So, so you could say that religious people are always trying to kill a movement of God. Are we good? And by the way, how do you think Lazarus felt about that? Lazarus, they're gonna kill you. I mean, I've been dead before. As long as I got Jesus. Hey, Jesus, watch this. Hey, kill me. Ha. Just uh, so. And John goes on to tell us, for it was because of him that many of the people had deserted him and believed in Jesus. So the Pharisees, they came and they were trying to trap Jesus. And they were trying to trap Jesus because there was an argument during that time period. Now, don't miss this. Don't miss this. The Pharisees and the Sadducees were not only religious parties. They were also political parties. They were very tied in to politics and Jewish life. So there was a debate that was going on in the time of Jesus based on this particular passage of scripture in Deuteronomy chapter 24, where Moses wrote, suppose a man marries a woman, but she does not please him. Having discovered something wrong with her, he writes her a document of divorce, hands it to her, and sends her away from his house. When she leaves his house, she is free to marry another man. Now, there were two main rabbis around the time of Jesus, and there were two very different opposing views on the interpretation of this particular passage. Um, the first was named Shemaiah, and the second was named Hillel. If you're looking for baby names, these ain't it, all right? Shemaiah and Hillel. Now, Shemaiah was, was what we would call far right wing. He said the only reason for divorce, the only reason, is adultery, period. No other reason, no excuses. Hillel was extreme left wing. He was like, you can divorce, if, she, if your wife burns your bread, you can divorce her, which doesn't really apply today. Maybe if your wife got your DoorDash order wrong, okay, you could divorce her, a little bit more modern. So, so Shemaiah thought one way, Hillel thought another. And if you can believe this, there was a time period about 2,000 years ago where there were, there were a bunch of people that had two opposite religious and political views and these people didn't like these people and these people didn't like these people and the only thing these people really had in common was this man named Jesus. And here come the Pharisees asking this question because they wanted to divide the people. They wanted to get if Jesus took his side, then, he, then these people are gonna get mad. If Jesus takes this side, these people are gonna get mad. So once again, religious people are trying to divide people. 
This would be equivalent to asking me, Pastor Pete, in the next election, who are you gonna vote for? Donald Trump or Joe Biden? There's no way I can answer that question without making some people incredibly happy and some people incredibly mad. So I'm gonna answer the question, but not in the way you think. This is my answer. The United States has around 330 million people living in it. Out of all those people, can't we come up with a couple better options to choose from? Because Donald Trump is over here going, I won the last election. And Joe Biden's over here going, and, and, and so you can't, and if you add up their age, they are older than the earth combined, all right? They both had pet dinosaurs, so they've been around a minute, just step, anyway, so back to the text. They were trying to get Jesus to choose sides. They were trying to get Jesus to pick one side and thus dividing a whole section of people away from him. And Jesus is just brilliant. He knows this is coming, so watch how Jesus handles this. This is great. Haven't you read the scriptures, Jesus replied? I always wanna point out that when Jesus says that to the Pharisees, it's an insult. It's a cut down. It's a slap back. It, he is, he is lit, literally going, you guys are idiots. Now, anytime you say that, there's always that Christian. It's like, my Jesus would never call anybody an idiot. Oh, oh, but he would. Read Matthew 23. He calls the Pharisees sons of vipers. Viper is a snake, sons of Satan, sons of hell. Like, I don't know if he turned water into wine and had a second glass and just got a little, just a little mad. I don't know what happened, but he went off. So he's like, haven't you read the scriptures? They record that from the beginning, God made them male and female. <laughs> Be careful, Jesus, you're gonna get canceled. It, isn't it funny how, how we arguing about stuff that Jesus, Jesus, and here's the reason I believe God made people male and female. Jesus, who rose from the dead, said it. Amen. I'm gonna take Jesus over MSNBC every time. Amen. And, 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 hold on, hold on. You're gonna offend the MSNBC watchers. Well, there's two, and neither are here. So, I, isn't it funny? It, and I, I know we'll get the comment, you're stepping into a culture war. No, 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 no. Jesus made the declaration. Somebody else started the war. Right. I, let me just say this while I'm thinking about it. Shannon and I were, no, we've lost our mind. Shannon and I were watching this thing the other night and this girl was like, I'm neither male or female. I identify as a red-tailed hawk. <laughs> Freaking crazy. Lost your mind. I said, stick her in a cage. You feed her bird food. See how long that lasts. You know what all this stuff proves to me? Unemployment is at an all-time high. If you had a job, you wouldn't have time to go around and start protesting. And do, I mean, I'm just, 
back on track, back on track, back on track. He said, hadn't you read the scriptures? God made them male and female, watch this. And he said, this, this explains why a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife and the two are united into one since they are no longer two but one. Let no one split apart what God has joined together. This is brilliant. Jesus said, guys, you're asking the wrong question. You're talking about, or you're bringing up the wrong subject. You're talking about the destruction of divorce, but instead of talking about destruction of divorce, let's talk about the beauty of marriage, how God created this person, and God created this person, and God brings them together, and this person is better because this person is in their life, and this person is better because this person is in their life. If you are a man in this room and you are successful, the reason you're successful is because you really do have a better half. And if you're a woman and you're successful, it's because you're a woman and you're successful. But I, I'm just saying, we make each other better. We make each other stronger. When marriage work, when marriage is done, the way God said for it to be done, it is absolutely beautiful. And I'm here to tell you tonight, Shannon has my, made my life better, mostly. Okay, so she's got this thing. And it's not just for her, it's with most women in the room. And husbands, you're gonna agree with this. Like when we're riding down the road and we're holding hands and it's all sweet. And every once in a while, she'll squeeze my hand and grab my arm at the same time and go, <gasps> yeah. never know what that means. It could mean, did I leave the oven on? Or it could mean, we're about to be killed by this semi bearing down on us. Never know. And somebody asked me, somebody asked me, you know you can solve that by letting her drive. Ain't no freaking way. I, I, I just, she's a great driver. She's a great driver. It just brought me closer to Jesus the first time I rode with her because I prayed the entire time. But, but she makes my life better. She helps me see things that I can't see. She helps me um, solve problems. Women see things differently than men. I don't know if you knew this. She helps me. She's protected me on some things. She's been like, hey, you need to watch this. You need to be careful about this. She made the house more beautiful. We actually have plants that don't die. Um, it, it's, it's great. She makes my life better. Does your spouse make your life better? Yes. Okay, that was good. I was setting somebody up and most, about half of y'all said amen and half of y'all, man, sucks to be you because I set you up for a win and you missed it. Jesus talks about the beauty of marriage, but here's, here's the thing about religious people. They always want to fight. They always want to divide. So that wasn't good enough for them. Watch this. That, then why did Moses say in the law, and I think they paused and looked at each other and smirked, we have read the word. And Jesus is like, I am the word. But <laughs> then why did Moses say in the law that a man could give his wife a written notice of divorce and send her away, they ask. And then Jesus addresses something in this next verse that every one of us in this room has dealt with. Married, single, doesn't matter in our lives. Watch what he says. Jesus replied, Moses permitted divorce only as a concession to your hard hearts. Now, I identify as a stubborn person. Anybody in this room with me, you're stubborn? Anybody sitting next to somebody that should have raised their hand? Yeah, 
Yeah. I'm stubborn. I, I don't, even if you're right, I'll fight you and then and, and call you later and tell you that you, I'll text you later and tell you that you were right. I remember years ago, I was having a problem with sleep. I don't know if you've ever had a problem with sleep, but when you can't sleep, you can't function. And it's frustrating because you're laying in bed going, go sleep, go sleep. How freaking hard is it to sleep? Just sleep. And I did, I tried the herbal teas and I tried the apps and I tried the music and no, I tried everything. So I, I finally broke down and went to the doctor and the doctor's got that questionnaire thing. The doctor, he's going through the questionnaire and he's like, question number one, how much, how much coffee do you drink per day? I said, average 18 cups. And he, he looked up. He said, I think I've found your problem. I said, what? He said, did you say 18? I was like, oh yeah, that's average. He said, when do you start drinking coffee? I said, when I wake up. He said, when do you stop? I said, before I go to bed. He said, you got to quit drinking 18 cups of coffee every, I said, no, that's not it. <laughs> I did, I fought him on it. He cut me back to two. Like, no, I, I was able to get to sleep, but I was walking around like this. I, How y'all doing? How y'all doing? Um, it, it, was, it was one of those things where I, I didn't want to receive the truth because if what he was saying was true, it was going to cause me to adjust the way I was living. And so it, rather than adjusting the way I was living, I simply wanted to deny the truth. Now let's bring that into the spiritual realm. A hard heart is when God speaks to us and tells us to do something or not to do something, we know we've heard his voice and we do the opposite. Have you ever, you don't have to raise your hand on this. Have you ever had that text? And it's so good, the response. God spoke to you and said, don't send it. And you hit the send button before he could say it again. Has God ever spoken to you and said, don't do that, and you did it? God ever spoke to you and said, do this, and you're like, next time. Do that over time, and your heart will become hard. Now, the reason I say that is because I've never, ever seen a couple go through a divorce where one or both of the people involved in the, the divorce didn't have a hard heart. If a marriage is going to not just survive, but thrive, it takes two people with an open heart towards whatever God wants. But if one person says, God, I am open to whatever you want, and the other person says, fix them, they're the problem, they've got the issue, it's all their fault, it's not gonna work. Because one has an open heart and one has a closed heart. But if two people say, God, I, I am in this marriage and I am struggling, and I'm saying this, if you're a couple here tonight and you're in the room or you're watching online and you are struggling in your marriage, I'm telling you, two people with an open-hearted posture toward God can make it through anything. That's, 
I've read all the marriage books and the love languages and all that stuff, and, I'm, and that's great, but just, it's just gotta have two people. But if, 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 if the blame game's going on, then you might have a hard heart. And I, I wanna be that person that just always has an open heart. I wish I could say I was obedient all the time. I'm, I'm not, I'm, I'm trying my best to get there though. God speaks. Now, let me pause real quick. Let's say you're in the room and you went through a divorce. And you're looking back on that divorce and you're going, well, that was me. I had a hard heart. What am I supposed to do? Well, from Genesis to Revelation, the entire message of the Bible is like mercy and grace and love and forgiveness. And so I would say if Jesus died on the cross to forgive you for your sins, you need to accept the fact that you're forgiven because you can't do a thing about the past, but you can do something about the future. And from this point forward, you can have an open heart, right? You gotta, you, gotta, you gotta walk in that forgiveness and you gotta walk in that freedom. Moses permitted divorce only as a concession to your hard hearts, but it's not what God originally intended. But like we live in a world with a bunch of stuff that God didn't originally intend. But sin entered the world and just messed everything up, right? And I'll tell you this, whoever divorces his wife and marries a, someone else commits adultery unless his wife has been unfaithful. Jesus is essentially saying if you're, if you're married and you find somebody else that you're more attracted to and you leave this person to marry that person, that, no, don't do that. Now, some people, you might be here, you're watching online, you're like, that's what I did. Okay, okay. You're forgiven. Let's move forward. I mean, don't do it again. But like, let's, let's move forward instead of looking in the past. The only, the only, the only, <laughs> only group of people that want you looking at your past are the religious people because guilt can make people do some crazy things. But Pastor P, you hadn't talked about that verse where God hates divorce. Well, let's go there. Malachi chapter two, verse 16. For I hate divorce. Notice the exclamation point. This is like God in all caps, like yelling at us through a text. I hate divorce, says the Lord, the God of Israel. To divorce your wife is to overwhelm her with cruelty. (laughs) This is is before alimony came along. (laughs) Give it a minute, you can laugh. Says the Lord of heaven's army. So guard your heart. Guard your, guard your heart. Don't let your heart become hard. Isn't that funny how the Bible, like it just says the same thing? And anyway, I thought that was pretty cool. 400 years apart. And do not be unfaithful to your wife. How do you deal with that? Because that's, that's, that section right there has been used to guilt and shame more people in the church than just about any section of the Bible. And God did say that, but we gotta look at it in context. Let's say that you have a kid. Your kid's about five or six years old and they're playing in the front yard and they are having a blast. It's a summer day and they're outside and it's just, they're having so much fun. 
And a dog from the neighborhood, you know this dog, this dog walks up into the yard, kid starts playing with the dog, and, for, and you don't know why, but this, your, this dog just attacks your child. Attacks. Maybe it's unprovoked, maybe it is provoked. It doesn't matter. Your child is being attacked by the dog. Now, when you, when you run to the situation, because as a parent, you do run to that situation. Simple question. Are you angry at your child or are you angry at the dog? The dog. It doesn't even matter if the child provoked it. You're still mad at the dog. Am I correct? Yes. Pastor P, why are we talking about dogs and children? It's real simple. Divorce is the dog. You're his child. He doesn't hate you. He hates the dog that attacked. You're not hated by God. You're not, hey, I'm talking to a divorced person right now that has filled, you, I, mm, you are not hated by God. He hates what you went through. Because at the end of the day, if you've been through a divorce, here's what, here's what you, it sucks. There's nothing fun about the process. You get lawyers and attorneys and discovery and, and nobody goes, man, that was awesome. I got deposed for four hours. That's the best four hours of my life. It's not fun. That's why I, I've had couples come to me and say, you got a divorce, Joaquin and I. I'm like, well, I also went to rehab. You wanna go do that too? Like, don't do something because I did it. God doesn't hate you. He he loves you. He loves, he loves us with an everlasting love. So let me get back to that question. Or let me get back to my statement. Divorce is always bad, but it's not always wrong. Divorce is always bad, but it's not always a sin. When I'm talking to people about marriage and we're really wrestling through issues, I have literally told people I think divorce is the option here for three reasons. And these are about the only three reasons I, I usually advise. Abuse, like, like physical abuse. Like what father would tell his daughter to stay in a relationship where she's getting, getting the hell beat out of her every day? Nobody, nobody. Now, you gotta make sure it's abuse. Like I had a woman tell me one time, my husband's verbally abusing me. Are you, ver no, I told her she couldn't shop on Amazon anymore because she's spending too much money and we need to live it. Okay, ma'am, that's not verbal abuse, okay? I mean, it, I'm talking about, so, sometimes I know people take things and they blow it out of proportion. I'm talking legitimate abuse, adultery, unrepented of adultery, meaning it's not gonna stop, or abandonment. Pastor P, you've told people that? I have. I'm so disappointed. Oh, that was inevitable. Um, but the reason I say that divorce, well, let me back up for a minute. Can God sin? It's not a trick question. It's not a trick question. God is holy. Can God sin? No. Every once in a while, I have people go, can God do anything? No, he can't. He can't stop being holy. 
he cannot sin. Can we all agree on that? So with that in mind, the nation of Israel and God in the scriptures many times are compared to like a husband and a wife. In the New Testament, we see, you know, husbands love your wife like Jesus loved the church. That's a, that's a, I mean, because I've had guys tell me, but my wife is crazy. Well, the church is the craziest bride in the world. And Jesus still loves. My wife is high maintenance. Every woman on the planet is high maintenance. Sir, you're probably more high maintenance than her. You just disguise it. What was I saying? Oh, yeah. So, so, so the bro- God and the bride, Israel. Well, Israel, after Solomon died, split into two kingdoms, the northern kingdom and the southern kingdom. The northern kingdom was called Israel. The southern kingdom was called Judah. And the northern kingdom turned their back on God so fast. They started worshiping idols. They, they started sacrificing their children to, to false gods, like they would throw their kids in the fire. And it was bad. And God kept trying to, he would send prophets saying, come back, I want you to come back, I want you to come back. And they kept telling him no. So he spoke through the prophet Jeremiah in Jeremiah chapter three. God can't do anything wrong. God can't sin. And some of you have been in church your whole life and you've never seen this text. During the reign of King Josiah, the Lord said to me, have you seen what fickle Israel has done? Like a wife who commits adultery, Israel has worshiped other gods on every hill and under every green tree. I thought after she has done all this, she will return to me, but she did not return. And her faithless sister Judah saw this. She saw that I div- She saw that I divorced faithless Israel because of her adultery. Anybody want to tell God he's going to hell? Anybody want to tell God he messed up? I'm just asking a question. The reason God hates divorce is because he knows how it feels. Now, I want to say something to every divorced person in this room tonight. You have been made to feel like a second-class citizen in the church. And I know that because some of the same things you've heard about you, I've heard about me. And that's fine, that's fine. I've got to, I've, we've got to be, we've got to have our minds rooted in the word of God if we're gonna walk in freedom, period. And when I went through a divorce, and, and by the way, let me just kind of side note here, I, I didn't talk about any of the details about my divorce because I don't wanna disrespect my ex-wife. We had a beautiful daughter together. We're co-parenting her, we're raising her together, and, and the details really aren't anybody's business. But after I got divorced, you talk about feeling like you suck. I hit the bottom. I hit, the, I hit rock bottom. I remember sitting at my kitchen table with my Bible open asking God, what do I do now? Because in church world, I'm out, I'm done. 
And I was in the book of Isaiah and God spoke to me through this verse so powerfully. He said, in that day, the Lord will reach out his hand a second time. God spoke to me that morning. He said, you're gonna get a second chance. I'm here to tell y'all that Shannon is my second chance. Hold on, hold on, no, 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 hold on. But second chance does not mean second class. She is a blessing from God who I highly value in my life. She's not second class. She's awesome. Mm. <laughs> Need to wrap this up. <clears throat> I, I, I wrestled with that. I did. Because you, you, you've been told, well, you can get married again, but it'll never be as good. You're right, it, it's probably, it could be better. I mean, seriously, is this the one area that if you get injured? See, in Christian world, in, in the sports world, if somebody gets injured, we wrap their ankle up and try to get them back in the game. In the Christian world, if you, if you twist your ankle, they take you behind the stadium and shoot you. I was just asking God, God, how do I, is it like, okay, maybe I can get married again. But what, what about all that I lost? And if you've ever gone through a divorce, you felt like you lost something. And God took me to the book of Joel, chapter two, verse 25, where he said, I will give you back what you lost. In the King James Version, it says, I will restore the years that the locusts have eaten. Aren't you glad that we have a God that can forgive and heal and restore and make it so much better than we could have ever imagined? Amen. How does that happen? Well, Jesus said this thing in John 8. He's talking about himself. And he said, I'm the light of the world. Now, if you follow me, you won't have to walk in darkness because you will have the light that leads to life. And as a follower of Christ, no matter where you are, that, I said it, I said it a, two or three times, I'll say it again. Jesus loves you just like you are, but he loves you too much to let you stay that way. And we live in a dark world, but because the world is so dark, the light of Jesus can shine so much brighter. And if you're here tonight and you feel like you're in the dark or you feel like you're lost or you feel like you're, listen, Jesus is saying, hey, if you'll come to me, I'll show you how to live. If you come to me, I'll show you how to walk. If you come to me, I will show you the way to life. I am the light of the world. And, and, and listen, anything that's broken in our life, when we come to Jesus, he, will, he, he can and will fix us if we will surrender to him. So I thought before we do the invitation tonight, it'd be real cool to listen to a song written by a group about 20 years ago about the subject of divorce and then show you in this song some pictures of people in our church who have a second chance marriage that is not a second class marriage. 
that God took what was broken and made it beautiful. So Jesus, over these next few moments, as we reflect on your goodness and your grace, God, may we, may we just have open hearts. May we be willing to say yes to whatever you ask of us. And if any of us, God, are trapped in the darkness, may tonight be the night that we step into the light and let you repair what's been broken. We ask this, Jesus, in your name. Can we all stand for closing prayer? Jesus, I just wanna thank you. God, I wanna thank you so much tonight for the marriages in this room that, that, are, that are strong. For the, married, for the people in this room that have been married 10, 20, 30, 40 years, God, just a, a model of what two people with open hearts to you can accomplish in a world that's always attacking us and trying to tear us down. God, thank you for those successes that we can see and we can celebrate. And God, I wanna thank you for your mercy and for your grace that's poured out on us. God, who went through something that we never imagined we would go through. But when we fell, your grace caught us and picked us back up. You're so good. My heads bowed and eyes closed right now all over this room. Let me ask you this question. Do you have a heart that's open to Jesus? Like whatever you want, Jesus. It could have nothing to do with marriage or divorce. You say, Jesus, I've just got a heart open to you. Maybe, maybe tonight is the night you need to pray to receive Christ. You, you've wanted to do it maybe other weeks, but you're like, I'll do it next week, I'll do it next week, I'll do it next week. That's the, that's the devil's best weapon is procrastination. Are you, do you have an open heart tonight? Would you, would, you, would you ask Jesus to come in? He loves you like you are, but he won't let you stay that way. He'll make it better. So if you're here tonight, you wanna pray to receive Christ. I wanna invite you to pray this prayer with me and pray, I'm gonna invite you to pray it out loud but you won't pray it alone because our whole Second Chance family, we're gonna pray it with you so you can know that you're stepping into a relationship with Jesus supported by other people. So Second Chance family, let's pray this with them. And if you wanna pray to receive Christ, you pray this with me. Just say, Jesus Christ, say it out loud. Jesus Christ, I know that I'm a sinner and I need you as a savior. I believe you died on the cross and rose from the grave to pay for my sins. And right now, Jesus, I confess you as Lord. Come into my life and take over. In Jesus' name I pray. Now my head's still bowed and eyes still closed all over this room. If you just prayed that prayer, if you just asked Christ to come into your life, I wanna pray with you and I wanna pray for you. So if you just prayed that prayer, will you do me a favor and just put your hand straight up in the air. Shoot it straight up in the air and leave it up. Thank you, sir. Thank you, sir. Amen. Anybody else? Straight up in the air. That was quick. That was fast. Father, I wanna thank you for these hands in the room. I wanna thank you for the people that just prayed to receive you, that literally just crossed over from death to life. Jesus, may that never get old. May we never stop celebrating the fact that you do a salvation work in this house every single week. May, may the people that accepted you today walk in, walk in forgiveness and walk in freedom knowing that you are real. And God, I pray for all of us in this house tonight 
that we will walk out of this place with a heart wide open to whatever you wanna do in us. God, I pray for those that have fought for years that they feel like damaged goods, that they would know that in you, Jesus, we are unconditionally loved. And the past may have sucked, but the future can be amazing because you are the light of the world and in you the best is always yet to come. In Jesus' name we pray. Everybody that agreed with this prayer said amen and amen. Are you glad you came to church tonight? Me too, y'all have a great week and we'll see y'all back for Mother's Day next Sunday.